0: Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome
2: to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast.
1: It's December 21st, 2021, and that means there's only four days left until Christmas. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the song Silver Bells, and we'll learn about how this song became a holiday staple. We'll also count down the top five movies whose premises should be used to make a Hallmark Christmas movie. We'll give you a recipe for turkey roulade, and we'll find out how you'd spend 5K the week before Christmas in the final edition of Season's Musings. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, you believers! We're back! If you're new to the show, you may be confused. Normally, we drop episodes of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast on the 25th of each month, but the 25th of this month is Christmas. And I know you probably have better things to do than to listen to me yammer on about some Christmas facts I read about, so my December episode usually comes out early. I guess you could say, I can't wait for Christmas. Or to put it another way that leads us into our first segment, I need a little Christmas, now! We need a Back in January, to get the taste of 2020 out of our mouths, I declared 2021 to be 2020 yum, which means for every Need a Little Christmas Now segment this year, I've shared a Christmas recipe for you to do some merry munching. This last recipe of the year is courtesy of my lovely mother. You see, a few weeks ago, it was Thanksgiving, and there weren't a ton of us here, just six, so we didn't need a huge turkey. So my mom ordered us a turkey roulade that came frozen, and we just had to pop it in the oven.
2: What is a turkey
1: roulade? I'm glad you asked, imaginary listener. That kind of sounds like Kermit the Frog. It's stuffing rolled up inside a turkey breast and baked to perfection. Sounds delicious. It certainly was. But it wouldn't be much of a tip if I just came on here and said, hey, order a frozen one online. So I found a recipe online from the Food Network. So here's how to make your own turkey roulade. You're going to need one stick of salted butter, softened. You'll need two stalks of diced celery, one small head of diced fennel, eight ounces of sweet pork sausage, 3 tablespoons of chopped fresh parsley, 2 tablespoons of chopped fresh rosemary, kosher salt, and freshly ground black pepper, and brandy for deglazing. Then you'll need two and a half cups of seasoned dry stuffing mix, 1 cup low-sodium chicken stock, 1 large egg, and then you'll need about 5 pounds of skin-on-whole-turkey-breast, butterflied and flattened. All right, now you got your ingredients, let's get to the cooking. What you're first going to do is preheat that oven to 425 degrees. Then you're going to take four tablespoons of your butter and melt it in a large skillet over medium heat. Then you're going to add the celery, the fennel, and the onions, and you're going to cook for about five minutes or until softened. Make sure you stir it often while you do that. Uh, then you're going to add the sausage, and you cook that till it's cooked through, and this is going to take about seven to ten minutes. Then you're going to stir in the parsley and rosemary, and then cook for an additional minute. Then add a little salt and pepper for seasoning. Then they say to deglaze the skillet with a splash of brandy. Basically, you want you to scrape up any of the brown bits from the bottom. Now you got this mix of sausage and vegetables. Mix that with the stuffing mix, the chicken stock, and egg in a large bowl, and you're going to stir them all up together. All right, then you're going to take that turkey breast out. You're going to lay it flat and then season it with some more of that salt and pepper. Then spread that stuffing veggie mix all over it, like in a flat layer on top. Then tightly roll the turkey breast. Then you're going to tie it with kitchen twine, and they say about four to six ties that are evenly spaced uh, across the turkey. Now, you should have four tablespoons of softened butter left. You're going to rub that all over the surface. Sprinkle a little more salt and pepper. Then put that on your oven rack in the roasting pan and roast for 30 minutes. Then decrease the temperature to 350 degrees and roast it until the skin is golden brown and crispy. Or more importantly, when you put a meat thermometer into it, the center needs to be 155 degrees. And they say that should be about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Then remove the thing, put it on a cutting board, cover it with foil, and then let it rest for 7 to 10 minutes. It's tired. It's been in the oven all this time. Let it rest. And after it's done resting, there you have it. Now, the recipe also tells you how to make your own gravy to go with it. But I usually just buy a jar of gravy because it turns out I... I'm lazy. But you can get the gravy details and, in fact, the whole recipe from the Food Network website at the link in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And now it's time for our countdown feature Five Golden Things. Bye. A few weeks ago, my family and I traveled back to our old neighborhood in Redwood City, California to help our old neighbor put up our Christmas lights. It was weird to be right by the house we lived in for nearly a decade, but it wasn't our house anymore. But anyway, on the way there, and on the way back, my kids asked to listen to the made-for-podcast Christmas movie we released last year, A Bomb for Christmas. If you're new to the show and haven't heard it, what I did was I took the premise of Die Hard and adapted it to the style of one of those Hallmark Christmas movies. Then we had our listeners perform the movie as a radio play, along with some special guests like Mike Westfall from the Advent Calendar House podcast, Mignon Fogarty from Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing podcast, Kristen Nowicki from the Nostalgia podcast, and even my lovely wife as the main character. I'll put a link to the full movie in the show notes if you haven't heard it yet, or even if you have. I gotta say, it was great to revisit it as just, like... The performances from all the listeners were so fun to re-hear again. That's maybe an annual tradition in our house now, listening to the bomb for Christmas. But why am I telling you all this before getting to Five Golden Things? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. (laughs) Haha, beat you to it for a change. You see, it got me thinking about other movie ideas that would be good Hallmark movies. Because A Bomb for Christmas wasn't the first to take a premise from something else and turn it into a Hallmark movie. The movie I'm Not Ready for Christmas uses the premise for Liar Liar, Pete's Christmas uses Groundhog's Day, A Kiss Before Christmas uses It's a Wonderful Life, and there are a bunch of other examples. But I thought of some ideas that Hallmark hasn't used yet, so if any Hallmark writers are listening, I've got the top five movie premises to make into future Hallmark Christmas movies. Starting with... Number 5. Citizen Kane. Starting off with quality. Many people consider this to be one of the greatest movies ever made, so if you want to make a good Hallmark movie, why not use the premise of an all-time classic movie? Now, it's going to start with someone dying, which will break the Hallmark rules, I'm pretty sure. But, instead of like the original movie, where just one guy is being sent out to find the meaning of Citizen Kane's last words... Two people with drastically different styles are forced to work together to solve this mystery. And instead of a newspaper magnate, maybe the guy who died owned a Christmas decorations company or something. Then our two investigators have to learn what our dead guy's last words meant to save the company, learn the true meaning of Christmas, and discover true love along the way. Boom! Smells like a Hallmark plot to me! Number four. Bruce Almighty. This 2003 Jim Carrey comedy where an ordinary guy gets the powers of God may not seem like an obvious choice for a Hallmark movie, but I think it has potential. See, our main character is disillusioned with Christmas and how expensive and time-prohibitive everything is. She says if she were God, she'd do a better job of this and put a stop to the nonsense and make Christmas something special for everyone. So, God shows up and says, hey, I'm going to take my son's birthday off this year and gives our main character all God's powers and tells her to take over him if she thinks she can do better. But then, of course, everything she tries to do to make Christmas better only makes things worse. She tries to seek help from a guy who runs the local homeless shelter, only to discover he's been keeping the true spirit of Christmas going for years without powers. They fall in love, and just before she gives up her powers, she does some miracle that helps the shelter. The details can be tweaked a bit, but I think that's a good opportunity to get some actual religion in one of these movies while still keeping it lighthearted and fun. Number three. Clerks. Okay, if Bruce Almighty seems like an unlikely fit, this R-rated independent Kevin Smith film from the 90s is truly bonkers, but hear me out. Retail workers and Christmas is a fertile ground for storytelling. So our main character has to come in on her day off, Christmas Eve, because there's no one to cover the store. She spends the morning commiserating with her friend at the store next door. She's stressed out that she'll miss the Christmas party that night because her ex is going to be there and she really wants to reconnect with him. But all day, it's just one thing after another that she has to deal with, all the while her friend from next door is helping her out. By the end, she doesn't care that she'll miss the party because she realizes that she and her friend could be more than just friends.
3: Number two.
1: The Parent Trap. I mean, this one is a no-brainer. You pretty much just need to change the setting to Christmas, and it's already got everything you need. If you don't know the premise of the original movie, two identical twins have been separated by their divorced parents. They don't know each other exists until they meet at a camp. Then they swap places and eventually try to bring their parents back together. In the Hallmark Christmas version, two identical twins switch places to get their parents back together for the holidays. And if you keep the fact that one twin is from California and the other is from Massachusetts, we could watch them experiencing the different Christmas traditions of the two coasts. One twin could go on her first sleigh ride through the snow, while the other is amazed to see a surfing Santa. Then, of course, they have to unswitch themselves and the mom and dad will fall back in love.
3: Oceans
1: 11 This one is an honorable mention because it's so outside of a Hallmark formula that there's no way it would happen. But I still think it might be a neat idea. So some big city corporation is going to ruin this small town's Christmas. So our main character gets the idea to break into their headquarters and steal something from them that will save the town. She recruits 10 people to help and it turns into a big elaborate heist during the company's Christmas party. As they get to the moment of truth, our main character can't actually steal the thing because at the end of the day stealing from this corporation is still a bad thing and two wrongs don't make a right but the ceo has been monitoring the situation the whole time and is impressed with her integrity so he saves the small town's christmas oh and the main character falls in love with i don't know the ceo one of the 10 heisters i guess it doesn't really matter number one back to the future Now, I know you're thinking, they've already done plenty of time travel movies on Hallmark, and you're right. But at its heart, the premise of the first Back to the Future is not really time travel. The premise is, what if a young adult got to meet their parents when they were young adults, too? And that's what this would be. Our main character has heard all her life about how her parents fell in love at this Christmas party and they kissed for the first time under the mistletoe. But somehow, she ends up rocketed back in time and does something to interfere with their parents' meeting. So now, she has to play matchmaker for her parents and get them to that Christmas party kissing under the mistletoe or else she'll never be born. Come on, you're telling me you wouldn't watch that? Great Scott, that's a good idea! These are all gold! Gold, I tells you. To all the Hallmark writers out there furiously writing down these great ideas, I don't ask for any money, just a small part in the movie when they make it. So send me those offers at Christmas at Tancast.com. Or, if you have an idea for a movie that could be turned into a great Hallmark Christmas movie, you could send that to me at Christmas at tancast.com and maybe I'll do another one of these lists in a future show. And now a word from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network.
2: The Christmas Alphabet Podcast is all about Christmas in alphabetical order. I'm Wayne, your host, and I bring you a new episode every two weeks throughout the year. Each time we look at Christmas history, food, music, and fun facts, starting with just one letter of the alphabet. Join me as we follow the alphabet all through the year, all about Christmas. Subscribe and join us at the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. Welcome back!
1: I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of the song Silver Bells. I noticed a few years ago that when I get a quiet moment to myself, that is often the song that pops into my head when I'm pining for Christmas in the off-season. So today, I thought we'd take a look at how this song came to be. Silver Bells The story starts as many of these do with disaster looming around the corner. The year is 1950, and the songwriting duo Jay Livingston and Ray Evans are a little stressed out. They had been under contract to write songs for Paramount Pictures since 1945. Livingston would write the music and Evans the lyrics. At this point, they even have two Academy Awards, one for Buttons and Bows from the 1947 Bob Hope and Jane Russell film The Pale Face, and one for Mona Lisa from the 1950 Alan Ladd and Wanda Hendricks film Captain Carey, USA. The latter really rose to fame when Nat King Cole did a cover version that same year.
2: Are you warm, are you real, Mona I Are just a cold and lonely, lovely work
0: of art?
1: But in Hollywood, there's no such thing as job security, and their contract was under review every six months. And since Mona Lisa, the duo had written more than 40 other songs for Paramount, and none was a particularly big hit. Their contract was up soon, and they were worried about what would happen if they produced another flop. Their latest assignment was for a film called The Lemon Drop Kid, based on the 1934 short story of the same name by Damon Runyon. The film is about a sketchy guy who ends up owing a lot of money to a gangster and comes up with a big charity scheme to get the money he owes. The film is set at Christmas, so Paramount wanted them to write a Christmas song. They were worried about that since they felt that new Christmas songs don't become hits. People just like to hear the old favorites. Seems a little weird to me that people had the same thinking back then as they do now, because I'm pretty sure that was Mariah Carey's complaint before she wrote All I Want for Christmas is You, which we talked about in our last main episode. But it feels like they couldn't possibly think that way back then, with Nat King Cole's A Christmas Song having just hit big in 1945, and Bing Crosby's White Christmas just a few years before that. Does somebody call me? No alleged ghost of Bing Crosby. I'm just talking about Christmas songs in the 40s as a background for a discussion about silver bells. This doesn't concern you. I it does. Say what now? I don't want to spoil anything. Keep going with your story. I'll be back soon, baby. Okay, that's oddly ominous. But anyway, Paramount insisted, so Livingston and Evans sat down to write the song. One of the unique things about The Lemon Drop Kid was that it took place in the bustling city of New York. This was Christmas in the city. Up until this point, Hollywood had really focused on rural towns at Christmas, but in post-World War II America, more people were moving to the cities, and so a song that celebrated what was special about Christmas in the city would be a way for Evans and Livingston to make their song stand out from the crowd.
4: City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of
1: Christmas. Evans has said that there was a tiny silver bell on his desk that kind of got the ball rolling. It conjured up images of Salvation Army Santas ringing their bells on street corners and festive window displays in the stores. Before long, they had painted a word picture of happy kids, busy shoppers, and even street lights getting into the spirit by blinking red and green. This was before yellow lights were a thing, so in this case... Tell him, Michael. Not
0: today, yellow light. Wait, what? You
1: don't remember that, James? When you both were very little, we were driving somewhere, and the light turned yellow, and I didn't have time to stop, so I said, not today, yellow light, and Michael started saying that all the time. It was like his catchphrase for years. What does that have to do with silver bells? Uh, nothing, I guess? Maybe James is right, and you should get back to the song. Wow. When the kids think you're rambling too much, it's really time to take a look at your choices.
2: Strings of street lights, even stoplights, blink of bright red and green. Rush home with the treasures.
1: Okay, back to the story. So Livingston and Evans had come up with a song they liked. It had a great melody, beautiful lyrics, and a great title. Tinkle Bells. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, the song was originally going to be called Tinkle Bells. Not to be confused with Peter Pan's pal, Tinker Bell, this song was named after the tinkling sounds the bells made. They were all ready to present this song to the director and Bob Hope, but fortunately, Evans' wife asked him what he'd been working on that day, and he said, a great new song called Tinkle Bells. After she stopped laughing, she told him he was crazy for not realizing that tinkle had an entirely different and decidedly non-Christmas meaning. Okay, this is a family show. We don't need that toilet humor. But Evans was crushed. He went back to Livingston, and they decided to scrap the whole song and start over. But as they did, they started borrowing a little from Tinkle Bells for the new song. A verse here, a verse there, until eventually, they just replaced Tinkle with Silver, and the song worked. The Lemon Drop Kid came out in April of 1951, and was a modest hit. But people already knew the song by then, because in October of 1950, there was a version released by Carol Richards and, uh... Go on, say it, baby. Bing Crosby. Silver
2: Bell.
4: The corner Santa Claus. Silver Bell. Is busy now because
2: it's Christmas time in the city.
4: I
1: told you I'd be back. My version was a huge hit, baby. Yes, that is very true. It was indeed a huge hit. So much so that they brought back Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell to perform a more elaborate rendition of the song for the movie. And it's funny, because in the Bing version of the song, it's quite a sincere ode to the hustle and bustle of Christmas in the city. But in the movie version... Bob Hope is really singing this as a con to swindle people out of money while ringing a bell dressed as Santa Claus. Marilyn Maxwell is sincere in her verses, but really, Bob is just cynically singing what he needs to in order to get people to part with their money. Silver Bell
3: I love the Santa suit
1: Silver, Silver bell. bell Just fill it up with loot It's Christmas, it's Christmas time in the, the city, city. But the lasting impression of this song is sincerity. None of the covers I've ever heard of it have that duality of sincerity and cynicism. And there have been many covers, because Silver Bells was indeed a bona fide hit. And all of this means Evans and Livingston's jobs were secure, and the rest of us got a beloved Christmas song to enjoy year after year. So, let those silver bells ring.
2: Very soon it will be Christmas Day.
1: And now it is with Mixed Emotions that I bring you to the final edition of Seasons Musings. Seasons Musings coming through. Can't wait to hear the thoughts sent in by you. All year I've been asking you questions from this card game that my mom gave me last Christmas called the Christmas Chat Pack. I've asked you to record your answers and send them in for us all to enjoy. Last time I put this question to you. If you won $5,000 the week before Christmas, what would you do with the money? Let's hear your answers. First up, we finally got an answer from one of our first ever listeners, Leslie, who says...
0: Hi, Tim. This is Leslie from Los Angeles, California. And I think if I found $5,000 a week before Christmas, I would use it to buy plane tickets to go visit all of my friends and family who have recently moved out of state My best friend and her family just moved to Colorado in June and other friends and family now live in Utah, Georgia, Northern California, and all the way to Minnesota. I think I would use that 5,000 to go visit all of them for the holidays because being together with friends and family, that's what matters most to me around the holidays. Bye. Nice. I can certainly relate to this.
1: I have a big Italian Catholic family and we are pretty spread out. I was pretty lucky when my cousin was in town for Thanksgiving this year and got to come have dinner with us. It would be great to be able to make the rounds every year and see everyone. Next up, our old pal Chris from Kringle Talks Christmas.
3: Hey, Tim. Hey, fellow waiters. This is Chris Kringle once again from Kringle Talks Christmas. If I won $5,000 or pounds in my case, what would I do with it in the week before Christmas? Well...
0: My family and I, were currently going through a process of moving house and I've got all these great ideas of what I want in the house and so
1: you probably go towards that as well as like a few inflatables maybe to go on top of my garage that is going to sit nicely at the bottom of my house and some some lights, a nice big tree and then take the kids out and the
3: family out for a bit of shopping if we're able to, you know. We'll see how much time we have and money left. Uh, but yeah, that's why I would do with the money is spend it on the new house.
1: Take care and keep laughing all the way as usual. And Merry Christmas by the time this comes out. Take care. As a new homeowner myself, I can certainly relate to that. I know a house would gobble up that 5K really quickly. Next up, let's hear from Laura.
2: Hey, Tim and all you Christmas believers. If I won $5,000 the week before Christmas, I'd go to my local Walmart super center take a couple of grocery carts and some friends and fill it with as much food and toys as I could find and fit in there for $5,000 and then take it over to the local Salvation Army and drop it off. The joy that you'd get from just buying those things for other people would be so, so worth the money. Merry Christmas, y'all.
1: Okay, Laura, way to make the rest of us look bad, but (laughs) that is obviously a great, great idea. Next up, Justin.
3: Justin. Hello, Tim. Hello, fellow can't waiters. Wishing you a blessed Advent and a very Merry Christmas. This is Justin from northern Minnesota. Boy, I really liked this question, and uh, in the interest of honesty, I should probably say that this would probably only be true if I won a $5,000 prize in the week before Christmas. But I have always wanted to be a secret Santa. Not uh, not a gift exchange at work, but a real secret santa that that makes people 's lives better in the days before Christmas. So if I were to win five thousand dollars, what I would do is I'd just leave the house like normal on any old day. I wouldn't tell my wife where I was going I'd just say I'm going to work, but instead I'd head to the grocery store and I'd pay for oh about a thousand dollars worth of people's groceries, find some big carts, walk up to the front of the line, offer to pay their bill so that'd be about a thousand dollars. For the next $3,000, I think I'd call up my local propane company and pay for uh, fuel fill-ups for about $3,000 worth of propane. In northern Minnesota, it gets very cold. Uh, A lot of people in rural areas don't have natural gas piped into their home, home, so they rely on a truck to come and fill up their propane. It's not something you pay for after you use it. You pay for before you use it, before you may even need it. But it gets cold in northern Minnesota, and I think that would be a great way to spread some Christmas cheer. So now we've spent $4,000. For the last thousand, I'd head to a local cafe, I'd order a cup of coffee, and I'd pay for that coffee, but I'd leave my server a $500 tip on a cup of coffee. I've always wanted to do that, and this would be the perfect time of year to make somebody's day. So I've got $500 left, I'm going to head to the local mall, I'm going to randomly walk up to 10 people, and I'm going to hand them $50 and say, Merry Christmas, and walk away before they can say anything. After all my money is spent, I'm going to head home. I'm going to pull into the driveway. I'm going to get in the house, and my wife's going to say, Hello, dear, how was your day? And I'm going to say, you know, same old, same old. But I'll have a little smile on my face, and I'll be the only one that knows that I was Secret Santa for so many people. All right, Tim, thank you very much for everything you do. Wishing you a Merry Christmas to you and the family. Have a great day. We'll see you next month.
1: This is a really cool idea that once again makes the rest of us look bad, but what a great plan of execution for a swell idea. Next, let's hear from Monica. Hello, Tim and fellow waiters. Well, what a great question. If I won $5,000 the week before Christmas, I would donate 1000 I would put $1,000 towards my savings, and the rest of the $3,000 would just go towards my debts. And I know this seems kind of simple and boring, but this is honestly what I do with the money. So yeah, that's it. Happy Christmas to all. I mean, it's not simple. It's just smart, Monica. Now, let's
4: hear from John. If I won $5,000 the week before Christmas with the pretense that I had to spend it, I would give $500 to the church I go to. And then with the 4500 left over, I'm trying to be specific, but I just, I just I think of tools. I want all the tools. And I know that won't buy me all the tools I can think of. But I just want it all. Like, every single tool you can think of. And I just just start buying it all. Uh, uh, can, do you, can you tell I have a problem? Uh, <laughs> um, if my wife won the money, though, I'm sure she would say $500 to the church. And then she would spend uh, the rest on gifts for people. Buying them the exact thing they would ever want. My wife is a much better person than I am. Uh, But that's what I would do with the money. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, and a Happy New Year.
1: Okay, yes, your wife sounds more altruistic in your example, but if you think about it, wasn't Jesus a carpenter? What better way to celebrate his early work than with some great tools, right? No? That was too much of a stretch? All right, well, I tried. Last but certainly not least, let's hear from Matt.
4: Okay, I got five thousand dollars given to me, no strings attached. I'm gonna take my three kids and my wife down to Disneyland. We're gonna stay in the Grand California. We're gonna do it up real well, and then I hope to maybe see a live taping of Can't Wait for Christmas. Don't know how I'd pull that off. Maybe that's another five thousand. Now,
1: that's a man after my own heart. Not the live taping thing, although that is something I'd like to do one day. I just need to find a venue and an audience. You know, just those trivial details. But the Grand Californian Hotel during Christmas is beautiful. I'm lucky enough that my mom loves it too and likes having me and my wife and kids around and has taken us several times. In fact, the last time we were in Disneyland, December of 2019, that's where we stayed and it was magical. And that is all the responses we got this time, and I want to say if there are any eccentric millionaires or billionaires out there listening, and statistically, there are not, but if you are, Leslie, Chris, Laura, Monica, John, and Matt have some great ideas how to spend 5K the week before Christmas. Can you hook them up, please? Thank you. And that's a wrap on Seasons Musings. I want to thank everyone who sent in their responses, not only this time, but all year long. This segment has been a ton of fun to produce, and I I hope you had as much fun sharing your voices with us as I've enjoyed hearing them. Also, special shout out to Dave, Jeff, and Kristen from the Nostalgia Podcast for joining us for a bonus episode of Seasons Musings just a few days ago. That was a lot of fun as well. And if you missed it, don't worry. I put a link in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. And to close out this segment for a final time, I'll just say that if you'd like to get this deck I used all year to get the topics for this segment, there's a link in the show notes so you can grab your own Christmas chat pack. And the jingle for this segment featured Deck the Halls by Kevin MacLeod, which was used under Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license and that's our show thank you for spending a part of your Christmas week with us I've got one more bonus episode planned that I hope to get to you before Christmas Eve so keep an eye out for that don't forget to check the show notes for that turkey roulade recipe the bomb for Christmas link and the nostalgia bonus episode link and until next time you Believers keep laughing all the way and that was Christmas 1983 Actually, Dad, it's 2021.
2: Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, and email us about it at Christmas at Tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can't while you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. Maybe James is
1: right and you should get back to the song. Candy, 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 candy,
0: candy, 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 candy. candy. You hope too, James. candy. James is giving you a look like, why
1: is he doing this? (inaudible) Well done sniffing the microphone. All right, thanks, boys. (inaudible) Mignon Fogarty from the Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Dips. <laughs> Mignon Fogarty from the Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty... Whew. These, these tips are too quick and dirty because I can't say them. Maybe they should be slow and enunciated tips for better podcasting. Their latest assignment was for a film called The Lemon Drop Kid, based on the 1943, nope, 34 dyslexia. Evans has said that there was a tiny silver bell on his desk that kind of got the ball rolling. ball rolling. I told you I'd be back. My version was a huge hit, baby. (laughs) I don't know if it makes anybody else laugh, but my version of Bing Crosby cracks me up. Mostly because it is nothing like Bing Crosby. As a new homer, my... as a new Homer, go. No. Why you little? Ah! Also, special shout out to Dave, Jeff, and Kristen from the Nostalgia Podcast for joining us for a bonus bonus.